My perspective is on uh, displacement of humans and animals. We're at 117 million displaced in the world right now, up from 60 million in 2015. Uh, we're not that good at building places for people quickly. Burning Man's pretty good at it. We do it temporarily, but there's a lot to be learned and we need to be prototyping. So this is the first meeting of the Ministry of Advanced Cultural Affairs and Future Dystopian Avoidance Therapies, a transformation station 915 and E of unknown origin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are at Burning Man. Lucian Tarnowski from Upgame, myself, Andrea Bell, Gino. This is a live set from DJ Tadig in our camp. So you're gonna have DJ Tadig in the background for this amazing podcast episode. And we're gonna go live into the Chronicles, live from Burning Man with all of our crazy and amazing friends. This actually relates back to the great unknown chat that began in a WhatsApp during the pandemic and drew together many like leaders from the Burning Man community into a rolling, global conversation that's been going now for four years. The Great Unknown has met at the Hub and the Ice House in Davos for like three or four of the last Davoses, always uh, is a kind of kickoff for the Burner community. So this is really the second time that we brought it back into the Burn. Last year's epically dystopian panel was a shit show, if you pardon my French. At the time it felt like it couldn't have been any more Burning Man because it was so crazy. It actually gave us a reference point to raising the bar on shit show. But it was I will never forget. But it was honestly the best shit show I've ever, it was the exactly. best panel I've ever been at in my life. It took us two hours to get through the introduction. <laughs> so like, let's start with our introductions and we're gonna pass the mic and let's like introduce yourself for this amazingly special episode of The Chronicles. Say who you are and what is your spirit animal because this year's Burning Man theme is Animalia. Hello, my name is David Sumberg. My spirit animal is the seahorse. And just earlier today, I was at a pickle camp and they had me perform the mating sound of my spirit animal. Can we hear it? Which sounds a little bit like this. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, hello, my name's Alvin. I'm camped at 9C. Uh, my spirit animal is a boxer dog um, because they are super excited about people and very, very easily distracted. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Dave Matthews, curator on the playa. Um, I think the spirit animal that I have is a honey badger because I've um, been creating weird things here at Burning Man for many years. And the honey badger doesn't give a fuck, but the honey badger does like when people get excited about these things. So my team's built the meme car, Charlie the Unicorn, the infamous 747. And these days it's the soul smooth sounds of Melton John, which is an art car that has live music performed on its uh, second level and uh, brings like a, a low frequency hum to the playa with music. So uh, gone are the... Uh, five gigahertz signals. We're all about 50 hertz now. Hi, my name is Gino. Uh, my spirit animal, I guess, is the hummingbird. And it sounds like um, something like that. And uh, I'm just here. Uh, I, Jen has organized a bunch of gatherings of uh, figuring out how to bring kind of Burning Man culture to the rest of the world. And there are a lot of people that are organizing things and stuff. And 
Uh, we do this evolving caravan. I've known Stan for ages and uh, actually many of the people around here and just looking for uh, collaboration and seeing where people are at and updating and uh, really glad to be meeting new people too and uh, passing it to Andrea who I've seen for the third time this year so far. Hi, I'm Andrea and I have known Stan for the last year and we just survived an epic boat ride in the Greek Isles for the last week. Uh, my spirit animal is actually in the metaphysical world. It's the Pegasus. The Pegasus. And I used to be a zookeeper. And so pretty much Animalia is every animal that I've probably either studied, done research on, or done a behavioral study, which I mostly did them on monkeys and any of the animals that were in the nursery. I helped birth lions uh, when I was 18 years old. And I am in attendance. Uh, I'm also a writer, so I've had some very epic adventures that I will probably turn into animal stories. This is uh, Sadiq. My spirit animal is a uh, whale, the, uh, the symbol of transformation since we're at transformation station. So my name is Lucien, <laughs> lucky around these parts. And my spirit animal is, there's actually two. Um, there's the black jaguar, which is my Guyan earth spirit animal. And uh, the black jaguar sounds a bit like and the uh, full full purring, and then um, it's a white eagle, which is like. And uh, I am a devoted Guyan, and happy to be here. I mean, I think it's fun to do... I've never done a live podcast from Burning Man, but I am Stan Stoniker, uh, host of The Chronicles, and my spirit animal is a dolphin because I think the dolphins are telepathic. And one of my favorite things to do at Burning Man is Telepathic Tuesday, which is a telepathic experience. This is a meeting of the Ministry of Advanced Cultural Affairs and Future Dystopian Avoidance Therapies, which I think by 2030 might be a thing. So, Andrea, why don't you kick us off with what you learned at the Future of Humanity Summit hosted by Brian Talabi in Greece. Well, first off, uh, the Innovation Station ended up having a campus, ended up having a SeaWorld adventure. And so we were very much uh, in the Aegean Sea having meetings and it was actually quite floaty the way that our conversation was and what we were able to bring up while swimming in the floating with our floaties. The key outcome is that it was all about sovereignty of our own choices and our own boat and doing what we needed to do at the time in order to stay going ahead at all times. And we also found that humor is the way that we get through anything and that is that comedy uh, equals out to the tragedy of other things that were happening at the time. The greatest type of therapy is to laughter yoga, laughter therapy, but fi finding the other side of life in any type of chapter of 
any drama, trauma, or anything like that is seeing the light side of what are the challenges and drawbacks of it, but also what are the benefits of us going through whatever adventure that we went through. So we actually learned a lot. We actually bonded a lot closer and many of us became great friends after this. So it's actually turned out to be a great thing, but it had its ups and downs. Joining us now is one of my favorite people, Zuck. Zuck, we are on the Chronicles podcast. This is the first meeting of the Ministry of Advanced Future Cultural Affairs and Dystopian Avoidance Therapies. And the uh, minister. And he is the... Dot S dot Department of Arts and Culture. Yeah, so the ministry welcomes the minister. Um, can you please comment on any future dystopian avoidance therapies that you might have thought of or any issues that the Advanced Cultural Affairs Group should uh, potentially be tackling? Yeah, we got some, uh, some serious stuff happening. My perspective is on uh, displacement of humans and animals. Uh, but mostly humans for right now. And uh, yeah, we were, we're at 117 million displaced in the world right now, up from 60 million in 2015. So it's accelerating. And there's some people who say it could be 1.2 billion people displaced in the next 30 years, which is fucking scary. And what are we going to do about that? They need to go somewhere. Uh, we're not that good at building places for people quickly. Burning Man's pretty good at it. We do it temporarily, but there's a lot to be learned and we need to be prototyping. So there's a lot of energy spent on the climate conferences and getting people to reduce emissions and da da da. It's a huge industry around it and decarbonization. But where's the industry on adaptation for relocation of mass, dis mass displacement? And I think it is potentially in hub cities and others like it to get some prototypes going. We should try a few. Or 20. Florian Fournier, who just randomly joined the camp last night, um, having defected from another camp, was telling me about Zanzibar. So have you guys heard about what's going on down in Zanzibar? So Zanzibar is a vibe, and the government there has just recently granted something close to sovereignty for the creation of new infrastructure, new zoning, banking licenses, telecom licenses, to begin building some activities, mostly around like sovereignty. So like it's really tied to Tanzanian sovereignty and the idea that Tanzania has realized that they're not sovereign in a world that's owned by Facebook and uh, Amazon. So I think there's something to that, um, not only for the people, but for the countries or the governments that have realized that the current infrastructure is not fit for purpose, um, you know, from an equitable standpoint. Gino? Yeah, I'm an advisor to that. It's uh, with Threefold and everything. Yeah, 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 with uh, Christoph Spiegler. And what they've done is they've created kind of a sovereign. And the whole background behind it is that um, they actually were going to mine a bunch of natural resources. They have to come up with like half a billion dollars in Zanzibar. And then what Christoph said is, let's set up a special economic zone. And the idea is you can digital twin people and pr products and you can do all of this stuff. You can be anywhere around the world, but all of the commerce and everything and, and transactions and happen, happen through this special economic zone. And then through that, they're gonna be able to generate revenue and allow people to engage in commerce from, doesn't matter, you can be in Iran, in China, you know, anywhere around the world, and you can basically, uh, you have laws or governance and everything that are set. And so this is a way that uh, 
that the government can kind of sustain itself, but then also it provides a, a, a platform, and they've got a tech platform for all this as well too, with uh, threefold. And so, um, yeah, just thought I'd share that. Special economic zones are, are the way to go, um, or there's special development zones, or there's there's lots of different frameworks, but. I think we need a bunch of those because the way things are set up, it doesn't really work. Downtown San Francisco needs a special development zone because they're stuck with skyscrapers and nothing to do with them. We need to reimagine them, and we can if we didn't have all the laws in place, so we need a zone. Otherwise, it's going to die, or it's going to be shitty and come back in 20 years as cubicles again. Totally agree. Yeah, I think there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of excitement about what role digital nations can play. And what I've been envisioning and many others participating in this co-creation is what role does time play in our collective imagination of a planetary civilization where we are all living in harmony with all life? So a quest, that question simplified is like, what role does time play in allowing us to quantum jump this present state of chaos that the world is in? into a place where we can actually reverse engineer the, um, the stepping stones necessary to steer the planetary ship towards a horizon worthy of ourselves and our future descendants, like as, a, as an ocean. So the way, the way I see this like strategy in the ministry is the up game is one of many planetary systems redesign strategies. And the up game is based on, on, a, on a design principle, just like Stanford's D-School, that flipped design from thinking about designing products to thinking about designing for users' needs. What we're doing is like a phase one with the up game is saying, if we design from the place where we've already done it, where we design from the place where the story ends, that horizon point allows us to apply our collective intelligence to reverse engineer the stepping stones. And so then what we can do is design a planetary system that isn't bound by the present moment in time that could be prototyped in many, many formats, many, many cultural formats. And so from that, the idea is just like Bucky Fuller said there would be a game that would transform the, the transform the decade of delivery, the, the golden decade, the, the design science decade, that this game can be a way that we can transform the ability for us to form teams in how we deliver on a planetary transformation strategy. And by then uh, using AI to reverse engineer the stepping stones necessary for us to realize our visions, we can actually put financial incentives the outcome-based financial incentives that finance ecosystems to work together to deliver on those transformations. So if we say, okay, we, this is what we know we need for the growing crisis of displaced people, displaced Guyans, these are the financial incentives to incentivize an entire ecosystem of players to deliver on those achievement goals, like an ecosystemic XPRIZE. And so I think this is very, very powerful from this stack that we call the five C's. That it starts with consciousness, and then from consciousness it goes to culture, and from culture it goes to community, and from community it goes to cities. 
and we create a planetary network of cities with with planetary embassies and from cities it goes to continents and from continents it goes to civilizations and that stack thinking in that structure i think challenges the monopoly of the of the current system of that nation states are our mechanism to realize change in the world I really love that the way you laid out the five C's. It made me think that like another C is uh, maybe playing into what you're saying about community, but connection. I think yeah. in that future, uh, you know, advanced planetary civilization, our ability to empathize easily with each other and with any living thing is really interesting to me. If we can figure out how to harness technology to to create that experience for us that you can instantly connect and instantly feel what someone else is feeling or something else is feeling. Uh, I think that would lead us a long way to, to understanding each other and loving each other and, and protecting each other. Well, our podcaster also, if you look at visionary type things, I think what he did, you know, before this actually crypto thing, I think he kind of pioneered Venn and this whole hub culture and had a vision of being able to set up these kind of gathering points like this place, you know, all around the world, major events and everything. I think, you know, that was fairly visionary in terms of coming up with new ways of creating a new currency and then interfacing between kind of the, the, uh, the kind of consensus reality old world with what can be. And I think, you know, gathering all of these people together in this way and to host events like this, I think are really meaningful, you know, uh, in pioneering for uh, laying the cornerstones for, for uh, uh, communities like the one that Lucian's putting together and many of us are, are working on. And the challenge here, you know, I'll, I'll throw it a little bit, is I specialize in a situation called the spiritual emergency and awakening experiences. And more and more of these people are kind of popping out of consensus reality. And then they're getting downloads of like new visions of things. But then consensus reality doesn't quite understand them. And a lot of them end up in a psych ward or mental hospitals and put on pharmaceuticals and everything. And so the challenge is how do we and then they've literally seen the new game that's happening that's already happening. And so the challenge is, and the question is, what's the interface between kind of the old game and the new game? And so kind of Stan has laid some some stones, you know, if you're talking about Go, you know, has stepping stones towards this, but is it possible to transition from old game to new game and uh, uh, looking at the kind of dystopian future that the old game is working towards, how do we kind of make this shift? So getting people together, having them question time, imagining a future and then incentivizing it, I think is what uh, Lucian talked about. But is it possible? Can you make a quantum jump? By definition, quantum jump is not continuous. You know, that's by definition, quantum does that. And so what I offer in challenge and kind of just kick up, kick off this conversation more is how do we do this and what are our perspectives? I like that approach. I think about this from an educational standpoint and we're going to have millions of displaced people due to food islands and um, inability to grow where they used to. And when you get them to the new area, how do you get them to understand apprenticeships or how does the, how do you work the land? How do you create things in this new environment, right? Burning Man is a perfect example of this. We come here with no infrastructure whatsoever. Uh, most of us here have the wristbands on for Build Week. And uh, I like to say 
Burning Man does not build itself. We're here. So with what we did at uh, Big Imagination, inspiring people how to weld, how to design uh, power grids, um, how to create, you know, how to solder, how to uh, write software to control the plane or whatever. Or going back 2004 or five, I worked with a team to create Make Magazine and Maker Fair, which is really all about voiding the warranty, taking that thing apart and remixing it to make it your own. And think about it today in the developed world, we're living in a completely disposable society. Gone are the repair stores that used to fix electronics. Now, I need a new iPhone every two years, but I'm probably gonna buy one every, not me, but I'm gonna buy one every year because Steve Jobs, um, his DNA was, you need the latest new thing every year, right? So obviously that's not sustainable for developing worlds. And especially when those developing world former inhabitants come because of uh, global warming to other societies, other worlds. So for me, Burning Man is a way to experiment, to test, to rapidly prototype, to tinker. Um, I know like we've got a couple of us here that have LoRaWAN devices on us and LoRaWANs are networks that are 900 megahertz. So they work on the old uh, cordless phone technologies. They don't have cellular phone bills. They don't have uh, incumbent um, equipment and you can um, put whatever you want on top of it, whether it's find my art car, find my friends, or send short messages. And think about that, if you've got a, a way that you can distribute messages to people, that if you're building a, uh, a, a community, obviously you're not gonna be able to pay for a cellular plan in a European or an American world because the rates are sky high. Uh, but if you can build your own networks, build your own education, build your own communities around inspiring and motivating people to do more than what they can on their own. And for make a lot of spin outs like Instructables or Hackster and um, ways that people could be empowered by creating their own whatever solution to a problem. That's what I see at Burning Man myself and uh, going to meetups like this, whether it's fun like LEDs are awesome meetup or the mesh networking meetup or the future of the world society meetup. Um, all of this stuff comes together because you need the left hand and the right hand. You need the communications, you need the team, you need the infrastructure, as well as the uh, the place um, to create these things. You know, Lucian was saying, hey, we need to imagine a new uh, future. And then what I'm hearing from you is you need the skills to be able to build that future and educate in places like Burning Man and uh, our ways, good ways in which people can develop these skills and apprenticeship, et cetera. Yeah, and you also need the space for that to happen, uh, physical space. So, but I'm curious about these spiritual emergencies or awakenings. Uh, how do they come about? Like, where, where do people channel them from or what conditions usually result in them? Well, usually, um, uh, generally speaking, when you're born, there is no symbolic consciousness. In the first 14 years of your life, uh, you are largely dictated by the reality that your parents create. Leonie <laughs> and everything. Uh, but then usually what happens is when if you have kids when you hit 14 you hit puberty and then you're kind of like fuck you parents and then you buy into consensus reality and then most people are happy within consensus reality they're the entrepreneurs and the innovators that are the outliers but if you're an outlier that pushes too hard or if you're a consensus reality person that has a near-death experience or you have some deep spiritual practice or you have some profound psychedelic experience that can kick you out of consensus reality. Right. And then things get kind of surreal 
and then usually you get disoriented and you don't know what reality is anymore and then in that openness people get downloads people develop gifts and everything as well too um, there's a talk I give called personal development, mental health, and human potential. And so personal development is your developmental psychology and integral theory. Mental health is when things go awry. And if things go awry and you can somehow sort yourself out, um, you can develop abilities that science can't yet explain. And so those are areas that we're doing research in. And then also developing uh, building communities of people that have been through the experience. It's one of those things where if I've had an experience and if you've had an experience, we can kind of talk about it and get a sense of where each person's at. But if I've had an experience and you've never had an experience, nothing I say to you is going to give you any idea of what that experience is like. And so how do we build community among the people that have been through the experience to help midwife other people going through the process and from this greater community work with the innovators and everything to help create the new. But for me, that's this whole awakening thing, which is this quantum jump that kind of needs to happen which can't, you can kind of engineer it, but ultimately you have to let go of listening to the outside and find that part of you that already knows. And finding that, you can't get that from the outside. You have to kind of get that from the inside and only you know. I, I, I think, Gino, that is, it's a state of being that gets us there. And I think that's what you're getting at. And that's the intention of every up game I do is it's actually not the intellectual journey that gets us towards the state of being where we reach our, what we like to call harmonic flow, where we operate almost as an organism. The Navy SEALs call this the shift. And it's like the point of time where we operate almost as a collective intelligence at play. And that's where I believe that there's these new organizational structures that have enabled us to do a quantum jump on the current, as in 2023, outdated, archaic systems in place to deal with the scale of the challenges we have. And so I think when Einstein said, you don't solve problems with the same level of thinking that created them, what he was getting at was dimensional thinking. And dimensional thinking allows us, it's like a language that allows us to transcend time through our language. So it's actually programmed to use time in a way of, as a language, we can begin to incorporate the hindsight from the future and the wisdom from the past. And in that form of language, the idea is we can actually train ourselves to think about every challenge in the planet from a perspective of time of like, how did we get to a place where at a planetary scale, we solved this? What did it take? No matter what, whether that's achievable or not, what did it take to get us there? And then from that place of what did it take? Okay, what is the fastest track for us to get to the what did it take? And how do we reverse engineer that? And then, so the, now the question is, how do we do that quantum jump on money? And this is the key, is the key innovation for money is to program money with time. Nobody's ever used time as a currency. Like they use time as a way to enslave people, but time has not been used as a way of empowering people. So here's the, here's the flip of money, is if we can program money to achieve a particular outcome, 
we can then use that financial power of money coming from the future to pull the present into that which we wish to build. Like hyperstition on steroids, like the, the engine going the other way. Lucien, I'm so glad you said that. Time is currency. You can always make more money. You can make and lose friends, but you can't make more time. And a lot of the tools that the digital world has created has been this um, uh, tools to create things more efficiency. And that's for me, it's through sharing. It's through knowledge transfer, it's through education. And look at all like what the university is doing with open coursework and being able to get knowledge and even Khan Academy at the lower levels, right? All this stuff going online and uh, with what MIT Media Lab tried to do with one laptop per child. And ultimately that was a, a device that didn't really have much success in America, but it brought HP, it brought Google uh, with Chromebooks, it brought all the other manufacturers to drive down the cost of $2,000 laptops to $400 laptops and then $200 Chromebooks, right? So um, for me, time is the most um, precious commodity and we can't make any more of it, so we have to make the best of it. And the fact that we have so much excess in all of our lives at Burning Man that we can A, build a city, B, schedule time to sit together to have these conversations, and C, still have time to let loose and enjoy the great music, is uh, that's, a, that's a luxury that I'm very lucky and very happy to have you guys as friends and be able to enjoy this. Well said. And yeah, why that's possible is because we care. You know, there's this magnetism here, Black Rock City by Burning Man organization to set the date and the time, and we show up. So it's what else do we, what else do we care about? You know, what else is worth, uh, you know, what else is, is worth showing up for? The Swahili word for time is wakati. And what's interesting in many of these camps is people have time. You know, that's what we say we are lacking of. They're literally, they call them uh, redundant youth even because they, they have nothing to do. So there is time that can be activated when there's something that people care about. Can we please talk about food security? And can we talk about how we're gonna feed 8 billion people in a world where we're running out of resources extremely rapidly. Chef Brian, amazing camp chef, extraordinary human being, also a marathon runner. He ran 30 miles yesterday on the playa. I don't know how you did that. Talk to us about food security. Food security, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of food security, I think of how disconnected we become from our food. And I think it starts with the disconnection that we have with sitting at the dinner table and being able to have meals together, be able to share experiences. Um, I recently have been uh, investing in more farms, more like local farms. Um, that's kind of where I put my dollars um, because I think that's where the future of food needs to be. I feel like it needs to be centered around local growers um, and, you know, investing in projects in inner cities that have um, urban, ab urban agriculture um, models that can help cities become more green cities to um, be feeding 
millions of people. So like I know in Hawaii, there's a lot of talk about the breadfruit tree and the idea that the breadfruit tree could feed lots of people with um, valuable nutrients. Are there other foods that we're not looking at that could be potentially like, so Zuck is working on refugee camps around the world. And the, the idea that, you know, even two years ago in Davos, we were thinking that we were aiming towards 100 uh, million refugees and we've already blown past that 100 million number, Zuck. So when you said 110 earlier, that kind of freaked me out, One, 117. I heard a number recently that we're gonna be at a billion by 2030 which is way sooner than anybody would have expected. What, what kind of foods could we be serving people in very large quantities that aren't going to be wrecking the planet, but are also still natural? I mean, I think it's foods that have less of a harmful impact on our soil. Um, and I also feel like we need to be focused more on soil health um, because our soils are depleted with all the micronutrients that people really need to fuel their optimal selves. So I think a lot of the crops that we're growing right now are like culturally important for a lot of these places. And I don't think it's necessarily replacing those with other foods. I think it's just using more organic practices using more regenerative agricultural techniques, um, small farms um, to feed the masses. I mean, I, I don't think quinoa is gonna save the world. I don't think chia is gonna save the world. I think we, we have all the seeds. It's just, it's the soil. It's the soil. The soil is lacking health. Yeah, one of the better kind of uh, developing country farms I saw was this guy called it uh, like Neville Longbottom Mixed Farm. Neville Longbottom was a character in Harry Potter, I guess, who did like potions. He never even heard of the word permaculture. He was very much practicing it. He called it a mixed farm. And they were using and kind of in there, there was water, but there wasn't other like crops. And he was using uh, black soldier fly like larva. So he was making protein by growing flies and then feeding the flies or the maggots even or the baby, whatever, baby flies to like fish that were doing uh, aquaculture. And, and they were used the same thing with the nutrients from that's created in the fish was used as, you know, so they had like a closed system that could feed like 100,000 people. And it wasn't that big and it wasn't that expensive. And it was deep, like, you know, right in the corner between Uganda, Congo and uh, South Sudan. And yeah, and that, that, those are the type of things I'd like to see replicated. Because right now, the way they feed people is they grow grain, you know, oil, and yeah. uh, they ship it from like Pakistan and other places to places in the world. And like this camp in Uganda, that's my main place, it's very fertile. They grow matoke, which is like a form of banana. And you're sitting at the entrance to the camp and you see hundreds and hundreds of trucks with World Food Program coming into the camp and you see hundreds and hundreds of trucks filled with bananas leaving the camp you know like they're growing but not for themselves and so there's many uh, contradictions and uh, hypocrisies and I don't know but yeah food is definitely one of the uh, things and I think that was nice the, the layers that Lucia was talking about because food is you know water you need you need to be near water if you're not near water it's a lot harder 
and kind of not really doable. Um, Zuck, I'd love to ask you as we start to wrap up this episode, this epic episode. Thank you, Brian. Off to cook dinner, uh, black beans and rice tonight. Um, as we finish up this episode of the Chronicles and our first meeting of the Advanced Ministry of Cultural Affairs and Future Dystopian Avoidance Therapies, what do you think um, Burning Man can bring to a better future world in terms of everything? I mean, what's your vibe on that just to close out this second annual Wednesday meetup here on the playa? I, I got two. Well, first of all, I want to quote um, Reverend Billy of the Church of Stop Shopping speaking at Larry Harvey's memorial on Playa. He said, and if you got confused that the actions must come to the Playa, no. The actions must be in the other 51 weeks now. So the other 51 weeks is uh, what I'm passionate about. And I'd say 50%, let's look at doing these cities and refugee camps and places in need uh, of infrastructure and of places that people just arrive. So you're not fucking with their existing culture. They're creating a new emergent one. Um, and one idea for that is to do a new regional that moves each year. And it collectively gets decided where it happens, where we're invited. And we go there and we build something and we and we leave it there. So that's one direction. And the other is in urban environments, specifically starting with San Francisco. San Francisco, uh, there's an opportunity in the financial district that never, no one could have predicted and won't happen again. We have to take advantage of this as an opportunity. Uh, and on Burning Man's website, there's a page that says program pages, program areas. Uh, and it talks about a San Francisco urban culture center in downtown that creates uh, collaboration space and gallery space and performance space and all these things that happen out here and trying to make, that's what I'm 50% on, you know, these, these things where I'm not from and 50% on the things where I am from, which is to reimagine a San Francisco where people don't just go downtown for cubicles, that there's something genuinely interesting that's happening there. And I think Burning Man could literally be the key. And I believe that was Larry's direction. You know, that's where he wanted to see things is we're not talking about making spaces for burners in downtown, we're talking about making spaces that are decommodified and are, you know, radically, you know, co-created that whoever happens to be a tourist or a pedestrian or whatever comes in there and gets to experience what an urban plan looks like, even if it's only one building, but they get a chance to, to feel that. And so, yeah, those are that's how I think Burning Man can do it. What I'm personally working on. So I'm actually uh, working with a guy, advising a guy named Wei Xing Chen. He was one of the founders of DD Taxi, early investor in Binance and uh, ByteDance as well too. And uh, he came to the Burning Man for the first year and kind of had an ex one of these experiences. And he's got a project called Fun City where he's taken the Burning Man rules, changed two of them to be kind of off playa and looking at kind of like online and offline kind of community building uh, using can you can you make the premises can you make transformation fun you know rather than going through all these hardships of losing your job breakup whatever and then you know doing the e pray love thing can you kind of create a culture of fun and then build kind of this borderless state where you have these kind of physical places 
people and culture. And so as the dystopian thing collapses, there's another thing to fall into. And so that's his vision of that. And uh, he's got kind of a nonprofit. He's got this magic campus. And then he's got Fun City, which is this platform. And he's, he's here right now. Yeah, he's at Burning Man. Um, it's global and it's decentralized. So he was a big blockchain person as well, too. Uh, yeah, physical spaces around and festivals and all of these things can kind of be part of it, too. But he's got kind of these 10 rules, like the Burning Man rules of self-reliance, etc. cetera. Uh, and he changed two of them. But uh, there are projects like this. And part of, I think, you know, our original convener, Jen, you know, Jen Sonder. Yeah, that was her, uh, you know, when she was with Burning Man Org, you know, her idea was, her objective was to, was to, I know. So, so that Jen Sander can participate, she just sent me a message, and this is what it says. So, Jen, screw you for not showing up. The people I'm getting my bike from are, like, out to lunch. They won't let me pick up the bike before 4 p.m. I'm going to maybe come up without it or late be meeting up i have to choose between an electric bike or any bike and the meetup what would you do hello okay just say what from dust is then we have a wiki and please voice memo the combo and film on iphone the gathering we did that wow uh and then our goal is to hold space like the hub for conversations on the edge of cultural and creative affairs left my bike coming trying to meet you by seven and i replied it's ending <laughs> and so jen sander this was your meetup at burning man Good night and goodbye. We love you.